0: The Declaration by Jamma Malley, chapter one, 11th of January, 2140. My name is Anna. My name is Anna, and I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't exist, but I do. It's not my fault I'm here. I didn't ask to be born, but that doesn't make it any better that I was. They caught me early, though, which bodes well. That's what Mrs Pinson says, anyway. She's the lady that runs Grange Hall. We call her house matron. Grange Hall is where I used to live, where people like me are brought up to be useful. The best of a bad situation, Mrs Pinson says. I don't have another name, not like Mrs Pinson does. Mrs Pinson's name is Margaret Pinson. Some people call her Margaret, most people call her Mrs Pinson, and we call her housematron. Lately, I've started to call her Mrs Pinson too, although not to her face, I'm not stupid. "'Legal people generally have two last names, sometimes more. "'Not me, though. I'm just Anna. "'People like me don't need more than one name,' Mrs Pinson says. "'One is quite enough. "'Actually, she doesn't even like the name Anna. "'She told me she tried to change it when I first came here, "'but I was an obstinate child,' she says, "'and I wouldn't answer to anything else. "'So in the end she gave up. "'I'm pleased.' I like the name Anna, even though my parents gave me that name. I hate my parents. They broke the declaration and didn't care about anyone else but themselves. They're in prison now. I don't know where. None of us knows anything about our parents anymore. Which is fine by me. I'd have nothing to say to them anyway. None of the girls or boys here have more than one name. That's one of the things that makes us different, Mrs Pinson says. Not the most important thing of course, having one name is really just a detail, but sometimes it doesn't feel like a detail. Sometimes I long for a second name, even a horrible one. I wouldn't care what it was. One time I even asked Mrs Pinson if I could be Anna Pinson to have her name after mine, but that made her really angry and she hit me hard across the head and took me off hot meals for a whole week. Mrs Larson, our sewing instructor, explained later that it had been an insult to suggest that someone like me could have Mrs Pinson's name, as if she could be related to me. Actually, I do sort of have another name, but it's a pre-name, not an after-name, and everyone here has got the same one, so it doesn't really feel like a name. On the list that Mrs Pinson carries around with her, I'm down as Surplus Anna, but really it's more of a description than a name. We're all surpluses at Grange Hall, surplus to requirements, surplus to capacity. I'm very lucky to be here, actually. I've got a chance to redeem my parents' sins. If I work hard enough and become employable, that is. Not everyone gets that kind of chance, Mrs Pinson says. In some countries, surpluses are killed, put down like animals. They'd never do that here, of course. In England, they help surpluses be useful to other people, so it isn't quite so bad we are born. Here, they've set up Grange Hall because of the staffing requirements of legal people. That's why we have to work so hard to show our gratitude. But you can't have surplus halls all over the world for every surplus that's born. It's like straws on a camel's back, Mrs Pinson says. Each and every surplus could be the final straw that breaks the camel's back. Probably. Being put down is the best thing for everyone. Who would want to be the straw that broke the back of Mother Nature? That's why I hate my parents. It's their fault that I'm here. They didn't think about anyone except for themselves. I sometimes wonder about the children who are put down. I wonder how the authorities do it and whether it hurts. And I wonder what they do for maids and housekeepers in those countries. Or handymen. My friend Sheila says that some they do sometimes put children down here too. I don't believe her. Mrs Pinson says Sheila's imagination is far too active and that it's going to be her downfall. But I don't know if her imagination is too active. But I do think she makes things up. Like when she arrived and she swore to me that her parents hadn't signed the declaration, that she was actually legal and it had been one massive mistake because her parents had opted out of longevity. She insisted over and over again that they'd be coming to collect her once they sorted it all out. They never did, of course. There are 500 of his of us here at Grange Hall, and one of the eldest. and I've been here the longest too. I've lived here since I was two and a half. That's how old I was when they found me. I was being kept in an attic. Can you believe that? The neighbours heard me crying, apparently. They knew they weren't meant to be any children in the house, and called the authorities... "'I owe those neighbours a great deal,' Mrs Pinson says. "'Children have a way of knowing the truth,' she says, "'and I was probably crying because I wanted to be found. "'Well, what else was I going to do? "'Spend my life in an attic?' "'I can't remember anything about the attic or my parents. "'I used to, I think, but I'm I'm not really sure. "'It could have been dreams I was remembering. "'Why would anyone break the declaration "'and have a baby just to keep in the attic? "'It's just plain stupid.' I can't remember much about arriving at Grange Hall either, but that's hardly surprising. I mean, who remembers being two and a half? I remember feeling cold. remember screaming out for my parents until my throat was hoarse, because back then I didn't realise how selfish and stupid they were. I also remember getting into trouble no matter what I did. But that's all, really. I don't get into trouble anymore. I've learned about responsibility, Mrs Pinson says, and I'm set to be a valuable asset. Valuable asset, Anna. Anna. I like that a lot more than surplus. The reason I'm set to be a valuable asset is that I'm a fast learner. I can cook 50 dishes to a top standard and another 40 to satisfactory. I'm not as good with fish as I am with meat, but I am a good seamstress. I'm going to make someone a very solid housekeeper according to my last appraisal. If my attention to detail improves, I'll get an even better report next time which means that in six months when I leave Grange Hall, I might go to one of the better houses. In six months, it's my 15th birthday. It will be time to fend for myself then, Mrs Penson says. I'm lucky to have had such good training because I know my place and people in the nicest houses like that. I don't know how I feel about leaving, Grange Hall. I think I'm excited, but I'm scared too. The furthest I've ever been is to a house in the village, where I did an internship for three weeks when the owner's own housekeeper was ill. Mrs Keane, the cooking instructor, walked me down there one Friday night, then she brought me back when it was over. Both times it was dark, so I didn't see much of the village at all. The house I was working in was beautiful, though. It was nothing like Grange Hall. The rooms were painted in bright warm colours with thick carpet on the floor that you could kneel on without killing your knees and huge big sofas that made you want to curl up and sleep forever it had a big garden that you could see out of all the windows and it was filled with beautiful flowers at the back of the garden was something called an allotment where mrs sharp grew vegetables sometimes though there weren't any growing when i was there she said that flowers were an indulgent and frowned upon by the authorities now that food couldn't be flown around the world everyone had to grow their own she said she thought that flowers were important too, but the, the authorities didn't agree. I think she's right. I think flowers can just be as important as food sometimes. I think it depends what you're hungry for. In the house, Mrs Sharp had her radiators on sometimes, so it was never cold, and she was the nicest, kindest woman. Once, when I was cleaning her bedroom, she offered me to let me try on some lipstick I said no because I thought she might tell Mrs Pinson but I regretted it later. Mrs Sharp talked to me almost like I wasn't a surplus. She said it was nice to have a young face about the place again. I loved working there, mainly because of Mrs Sharp being so nice, but also because I loved looking at the photos she had all over her walls of incredible looking places. In each photo, there was Mrs Sharp smiling, holding a drink or standing in front of a beautiful building or monument. She said that the photographs were mementos of each of her holidays. She went on an international holiday three times a year at least, she told me. She said that she used to go by aeroplane, but now energy tariffs meant she had to go by boat or train instead. But she still went because you have to see the world, otherwise what's the point? I wanted to ask her, the point of what? but I didn't because you're not meant to ask questions, it's not really polite. She said she'd been to 150 different countries, some more than twice. I tried to stop my mouth from dropping open because I didn't want her to know that I hadn't even known that there were that many countries across the world. We didn't learn about countries at Grange Hall. Mrs Sharp has probably been to 453 countries now because it was a whole year ago that I was at her house. I wish I was still her housekeeper. She didn't hit me, not even once. It must be amazing to travel to foreign countries. Mrs Sharp showed me a map of the world and showed me where England is. She told me about the deserts in the Middle East, about the mountains in India and about the sea. I think my favourite place would be the desert because apparently there are no people there at all. It would be hard to be surplus in the desert, even if you knew you were one really, but there wouldn't be anyone else to remind you. I'll probably never see any desert, though. Mrs Pinson says it's disappearing fast, because they can build on it now. Desert is a luxury this world can't afford, she says, and I should be worrying about the state of my ironing, not thinking of places I'll never be able to go to. I'm not sure she's exactly right about that, although I'd never say that to her. Mrs Sharp said she had a housekeeper once who used to go with her, travelling around the world, but doing her packing and organising her tickets and things like that. She had her for 40 years, she told me, and she was very sad to see her go because her new housekeeper can't take the hot temperatures, so she has to leave her behind when she goes away now. If I could get a job with a lady who travels a lot, I don't think I'd mind the hot temperatures. The desert's the hottest place of all, and I'm sure I'd love it there. Anna, Anna, will you come here this minute? Anna looked up from the small journal Mrs Sharp had given her as a parting gift and quickly returned it in her pen to its hiding place. Yes, house matron, she called hurriedly, and rushed out of female bathroom two and down the corridor, her face flushed. How long had Mrs Pinsent been calling her? How had she not heard her call? The truth was that she'd never realised how absorbing it could be to write. She'd had Mrs Sharp's journal for a year now. It was a small, fat book, covered in pale pink suede, and filled with thick, creamy pages that looked so beautiful, she couldn't ever imagine ruining it by making a single mark on the lovely paper. Every so often, she had taken it out to look at it. She would turn it over in her hands, guiltily enjoying the soft texture of the suede against her skin before secreting it back away again. But she had never written in it, not until today that is. Today, for some reason, she had taken it out, picked up a pen and without even thinking, had started to write. And once she'd started she found she didn't want to stop. Thoughts and feelings that usually lay hidden beneath worries and exhaustion suddenly came flooding to the surface as if gasping for air. Which was all worked very well but if it was discovered she would be beaten. Number one she wasn't allowed to accept gifts from anyone and number two journals and writing were forbidden at Grange Hall. Surpluses were not there to read and write. They were there to learn and work, Mrs Pinson told them regularly. She said that things would be much easier if they didn't have to teach them to read and write in the first place because reading and writing were a dangerous business. They made you think and surpluses who thought too much were useless and difficult. But people wanted maids and housekeepers who were literate so Mrs Pinson didn't have a choice. If she were truly valuable asset material She would get rid of that journal completely. Anna knew that. Temptation was a test, Mrs Pinson often said. She had already failed it twice, first by accepting the gift and now by writing in it. A true, valuable asset wouldn't succumb to temptation like that, would they? A valuable asset simply wouldn't break the rules. But Anna, who never broke any rules, who believed that regulations existed to be followed to the letter, had finally found a temptation that she could not resist. Now that the journal bore her writing, she knew that the stakes had been raised, and yet she couldn't bear to lose it, whatever the cost. She would simply have to ensure it was never found, she resolved as she raced towards Mrs Pinson's office. If no one knew her guilty secret, then perhaps she could bury her feelings along with the journal and convince herself that she wasn't evil after all, that the little fragment of peace she had carved out for herself at Grange Hall was not really in jeopardy. Before she turned the corner, Anna took a quick look at herself and smoothed down her overalls. Surplices had to look neat and orderly at all times, and the last thing Anna wanted was to irk Mrs Pinson unnecessarily. She was a prefect now which meant she'd get second helpings at supper when there was food left over and an extra blanket that meant the difference between a good night's sleep and one spent shivering from the cold. No, the last thing she wanted was any trouble. Taking a deep breath and focusing herself so that she would appear to Mrs Pinson the usual calm and organised Anna, she turned the corner and knocked on the house door. "'Mrs Pinson's office was a cold, dark room "'with a wooden floor, yellowing walls covered in peeling paint "'and a harsh overhead light "'that seemed seemed to highlight all the dust in the air. "'Even though she was nearly 15 now, "'Anna had been in that room enough times for a beating "'or some other punishment to feel instinctive fear "'every time she crossed its threshold. "'Anna, there you are,' Mrs Pinson said, her voice irritable. "'Please don't keep me waiting like that in future,' I want you to prepare a bed for a new boy. Anna nodded. Yes, housematron, she said. S- small? The un- incumbents at Grange Hall were classified as small, middle, or pending. Small was the usual.